0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. You know, one of the things that we um, strive to do here at Abide Church is to be a presence-driven church. Uh, Meaning this, that yeah, we show up with Sunday and we have a plan and we have a game plan and we have a run sheet and we have things that we want to do. However, uh, as I always say, God's plan is plan A, our plan is plan B. And so when God wants to speak, we want to put everything else that we've planned on hold so that we can hear his voice and so that we can minister what he wants to speak. And so if you've never been in a moment like that where one of the, as the Bible calls, one of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, a word of, of knowledge or a word of wisdom is given where it's like God gives someone a word for someone specific. And the reason God does that is because God loves you. <laughs> God loves you enough to put an entire service on hold so that he can speak directly to you through someone else. And it doesn't mean that he hasn't been speaking to you, it just means he wants to abundantly make himself clear hey, I see you, I love you, I'm for you, and here's a word of encouragement to keep you going and to keep you focused on on the move ahead. And so whenever those things happen, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can speed past it and we don't explain uh, what just happened, what does it mean that God gave me a word for someone else. And so I always want to make sure we press pause for a second so that we can understand um, God wants his gifts of the Spirit to be um, evident and active in his church, uh, in fact, if they're not, and you can go and you can do a study on this, um, what the gifts of the Spirit are, but if they're not evident and active on a regular basis, then it's a pretty good sign that God's Spirit is not in it. Uh, and so let me take that a step further. If the gifts of the Spirit are not evident and active in our lives personally, it's a good sign that maybe we're not where we should be personally with God. We should seek after these things. Uh, in fact, that's what Paul writes. He says, desire, desire after these spiritual gifts, not that that's our main pursuit, but it is a fruit of us pursuing Jesus. And so, um, it's always encouraging to me whenever God gives us a word or we have a moment like that and, um, God confirms it with someone, uh, raise their hand, um, Praise God. Here's what we're going to do today. Today we are continuing this theme of revival. And as I said earlier, um, we've been in this this theme for a little while now. And today we're talking about the oil of revival. And you may say, Pastor Dan, what in the world does that mean? What are you talking about? Well, let's let's dive into it, okay? We're going to hop right into it. I have a lot to cover today. The oil of revival. Oil is a biblical symbol of the Holy Spirit. When we look in God's Word in the Old Testament, uh, in the New Testament, many times when oil was talked about or when they took anointing oil and they anointed people, it was a symbol of God's Spirit being poured out on someone or being present on someone. Oil um, is used as a way of physically anointing someone either for ministry or to be used by God or to be healed by God. It's just a physical act of faith basically to say, hey, we're going to anoint this person with oil and believe that what we're praying for will come to pass. Uh, the kings of Israel were anointed with oil so that they would lead with the power of God's spirit rather than with their own power, <laughs> which is a good thing, right? If you're going to be leading God's people, they would want to make sure, hey, this person is anointed, chosen by God, and they're going to lead now from this moment forward by God's power in his spirit, not in their own power, in their own will. Now, did every king obey that? Perfectly. No, they didn't. However, that was the moment, though, where they were chosen. um, uh, And and it was a, a symbol of saying, You are chosen by God to do something great for God or to lead God's people. And so here's what we see oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, it's a symbol of His Holy Spirit, and always with the Holy Spirit comes closely, the power of God. When his presence is made manifest, and we've talked about this for several weeks now, whenever we gather together, um, the manifest presence of God is available to us, meaning the made known presence. His presence is everywhere. We have an inner presence, but there's a manifest presence that happens whenever we gather, two or more in his name. He is there with us, and whenever that happens, his power is ready and available for us. And so here's a great example of what we see whenever Someone is anointed by God to do the work of the ministry. Here's Acts 10. This is more of a spiritual anointing, but you'll see what I mean. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So then what? Then he went, Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so here's a great example of what happens. Anointed with the oil uh, or with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit and with what? With power. They're very closely tied together. And so here's what it means for us, the oil of revival. If we want to experience revival in our lives or in our church or in an area of our life, if I need revival, something revived again, brought back to life in abundance, it will only come, genuine revival will only come with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now we can, we can um, foster up, we can make up Revival, right? We can uh, manipulate a man-made revival, but a spiritual, genuine, biblical, God-honored revival will only come with an outpouring of His Holy Spirit. And so, here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to show you an example of this in the Old Testament. Then we're going to talk about how does that apply to us. Personally, and then I'm excited to talk about how that applies to us as a church. And so, let's read this story. It's in Second Kings, chapter four, starting in verse one. This is a story of Elisha, uh, one of the many stories of Elisha, I should say. Uh, and so, let's read these seven verses, and then we'll talk about how it applies to us. It says this: A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, "Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming." to take my two sons to be his slaves. So let's stop here for a second. This sounds super harsh. Many times we read, uh, especially the Old Testament, you're going to read some stuff and you're like, whoa, that sounds... Very harsh. That sounds not popular in uh, 2022, right, in America. So uh, here's what happened. They were in debt to someone. They took out a loan. They were in debt to someone, and obviously her husband passes away. And at that point, they would come, the creditor would come uh, legally by the law, and he would come, and he would have the right to take someone as a slave to work off that debt, basically. And so this isn't necessarily something to be frowned upon. This was actually very common in the day. So let's look at verse 2. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a a jar of oil, or some some say a small jar of oil. Verse 3, Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it out into all those vessels and set aside the full ones." Verse 5, so here we see it take place. So she went from him and she shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. Imagine this moment, right? She's pouring out from a small jar of oil into large vessels of oil. Now, was it a continual? You know, like, uh, <laughs> wait, like let's pull this pot out and try to, you know, get the other one as a continue. Did she stop and and do it? I don't know. But she's getting to a point. I would imagine that she, once she started pouring, that she did not obviously want to stop. Because at this point, once she got to the point of a room or a house full of vessels of oil, she is now looking at a large sum of money. And any one of us would be the same. Bring me another vessel, right? Bring me your shoe. Bring me a hat. Bring me something. Uh, I will continue to pour, right? Bring me another vessel. This is where she's at, desperate. Uh, then uh, Then he said to her, son said to her, there is not another vessel. We've gathered all of them. We're maxed out, okay? There's no more. So the oil ceased. Then she came and she told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Seven verses. What an amazing story. This is not a fairy tale, folks. This actually happened. Okay? This is real life stuff. This miracle really took place to a woman in need with her two sons, heartbroken. Her husband's gone. What do I do now? God showed up. But whenever God shows up for the miraculous, as we know, as we talk about a lot here, there's always a partnership at play. God shows up and he wants to move, but he wants to partner with us so he can move. And so here's what we're going to look at, three steps to experiencing the oil of revival or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so we can experience revival. There's three specific commands that we see in here that Elisha says to do, and these are all very important. So let's talk about how this applies to us personally. I'll I'll hit these pretty quick. The first one is this, get specific. Get specific. Do I need God to move in my life? Am I believing for something in my life? Am I I, uh, been praying for a long time, God, I need you to move here or in this area or give me wisdom, whatever it is. God, I need you to move. The first thing he says is get specific. In fact, let's look at it. In verse 2, he says, so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Here's what's amazing. (laughs) What's amazing is that first question, I probably should have highlighted that one as well because this is what Jesus asked people. There were people that were physically ill, physically sick that would come to Jesus and he would look back at them and say, what do you want me to do? Like he doesn't know, like, okay, I got leprosy, okay? Do you see my face falling off of my my body? Like I need healing. But he would still ask, what do you want me to do? What shall I do for you? And then here's the next one. the, The next one. What do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? What do you have, basically this, what do you have in your hand that God can use what do you already have in your hand that God can use? Here's what this shows me. Specific prayers bring specific results. Specific prayers bring specific results. Does that mean that general prayers don't? Not necessarily, but I would say this, that many times God wants you to get specific because if you, if you don't know it, um, just study the logistics of God's word. We serve a God of details, Okay, we serve a God of details. Just do a study on the different numbers and the different meanings of numbers in the Bible, and you're going to notice really quick that we serve a God who is all about the details. In fact, I would say he wants you and me to have the faith to pray the details so that he can answer in a detailed way. Why? Because whenever I do that and he shows up and he answers in a detailed way, who gets the glory? only God. (laughs) like Look at this list that I had, this prayer list of all these things. Look at this list that I had. And then that's exactly what I got when I prayed for it. Only God could do that. That's exactly the the situation that he wants. And so here's the question. Do you know the details of your need? I want God to move, but do you know the details, right? So let's say you're in debt and you want to get out of debt. Do you have a dollar amount? Well, we're like five grand in debt. Well, here's what I would say. Get down to the penny, how much debt do you have that you want to get rid of? Get detailed with it, right? Well, we're believing God for a new house. Get detailed. How many bedrooms do you want? I, I would just challenge us to dare <laughs> to believe for more. What color house do you want? How many bathrooms do you want? Not that God is, is some vending machine. That's not what I'm saying, but hear my heart. We'll get to that in just a second, but hear my heart. Get detailed. What do you have in the house? what do you have in the house? Detailed prayers bring detailed answers, right? This is why it's important whenever we feel sick, it's good to go to the doctor. You know what I'm talking about, okay? We believe in supernatural healing, but part of it is I like to go to the doctor so I know what details I can pray for. I get a detailed report from my doctor, and I say, Boom, now I know how to stand. Now I know what organ to speak to, what muscle to speak to. I know what I can pray for. Otherwise, I'm just back here and I'm fighting, but I don't know a specific enemy. Now I can say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to channel all of my faith and energy towards this thing right here. Get detailed. Get specific. What has God placed in your hand that you can use to see the miracle take place? I'm believing God for more. I'm believing God for increase. I'm believing for whatever. But has God put something in your hand? Many times what we see is many times the miracle or the answer to the prayer is already in the house. It's something that's already in my hand. I just haven't looked at it the way God's looking at it. It's already in my hand. Here's the second thing. Gather vessels. Get specific. Number two is gather vessels. Now we got to put some faith to it, right? we got specific. We know how much debt we have. We know what we want. We know what we need God to do. Number two is gather vessels. So let's look at verse three. Go borrow vessels. (laughs) This is so good. From all of your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. I chose the New King James for probably that point right there. Do not gather just a few a few. This is a command from Elisha, the man of God, to this widow. Don't gather just a few. But here's what Elisha made her he made this woman. He made the woman commit herself by faith to the provision of God. He made her commit now by faith to the provision of God. He she knew what was going to happen, right? She knew that most likely these are going to get filled with oil. That's what these vessels were used for. However, she had to put her faith to the test and say, how many should we gather? He said don't gather just a few. But she still had to choose it. Here's the thing. Elisha did not help. You ever think about that? Elisha was the mouthpiece for God. But Elisha could have hopped in. Could he not go knock on some doors and gather some vessels? Was he not able? Could he not go and spread the word? Hey, God's about to do something cool over here. Bring your vessels. Make one huge announcement. Make it easier for her and for her sons. Did he do that? No. He gave her the job. Here's what you need to do. Now you have to go and walk in faith and in obedience. Only if you do that will you see the provision. And that's where many people miss it in today's world. Like like I said last week, as a pastor, it's not my job to spoon feed you. I can't, I can't call you every, every morning at 6 a.m. to make sure you're reading your Bible. you got to do that. I can tell you what God's word says and what he wants to do, but you must take it and walk in faith and in obedience, not to Pastor Dan, but to his word, so you can see the provision take place. That's what has to happen. I can't walk with you every day. Nor should I, but it's time that we've got to, what, break the spirit of complacency over the Bible belt and stand on our own two feet, put on our big boy pants and, 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 and big girl pants and go and, and walk it out in maturity. Yes. No, more, no longer needing, I've got to uh, be spoon-fed the basics of God's word. Now I'm going to walk in some faith and in some obedience this week and watch God move in my life. That's what God wants for us. Get specific. Elisha did not help, which is amazing. Uh, To borrow this many vessels, no doubt would have have been an invitation to many awkward questions. You go into your neighbors, people that you know, I need all the empty jars, all the empty vessels you got, okay? I need all of them. Why? It's a long story, just trust me, I need them, okay? (laughs) I need them. They would have known her situation. How many awkward situations, awkward conversations did she have? But here's the principle. What can you do today to prepare for the answer to come tomorrow? What can I do today... To prepare myself and my family for the answer that's going to come tomorrow. Another way of saying it is this Have you prepared naturally for what God's about to do supernaturally? Because if she would have gathered one vessel, she would have gotten one vessel. Was God not powerful to fill more and more and more, as many as she wanted? No, he was. But it was up to her faith. How much faith do I have to gather the vessel? What can I do in the natural to prepare for what God's about to do in the supernatural? So let's make it practical, right? You you have debt. We've got specific. Let's make it practical. Do I have a plan? Have I talked to anyone that is debt-free? Do I know anyone that's debt-free? If not, maybe that's part of the problem. It's who I'm hanging out with, right? Maybe I should get some, know some people that are debt-free. They can help me, right? Uh, Let's make a plan. Uh, A new house. I'm believing God for a new house. We want a new house. Cool. Is your current house trashed? Why would God give you a new house when you haven't stewarded what He's given you now? That's right. Can I pastor you today? <laughs> right? God blessed me with a new house, but I have junked up and I have grungied up and I have not stewarded well what God has put in my hand. That's not how biblical principle works in stewarding. I want a new house. Cool, what can you do in the natural to prepare? Maybe we got some junk and we're going to clear it out and we're going to have a garage sale and we're going to put that towards our debt and now that we've cleared out some junk, it's going to be easier to move when God gets us the new house. Come on, somebody, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get practical, right? I'm praying for my future spouse, right? That's good. But are you growing spiritually? Right, I talked to a lot of young men who are believing for a (laughs) a future beautiful Spouse, but they're still sitting at home eating Cheetos and playing video games. Bingo. Whoops-a-daisy, right? <laughs> Don't be a boy when God's called you to be a man. Amen. I'm going to move past that, okay? But we could, that should be a message by itself. Here we go. Um, here, let's remind her, the miracle was given according to the measure of her previous faith. Hmm. If she gathered less, she would have been provided less. So imagine what God God wants to do. Does God not know that her husband, a man of God, passed away? No, he knows. Could he have not just made just appear vessels that are already full of oil? Or could he have not just uh, dropped coins and money in her property, under her pillow? Right? Could he have not just made it appear? Is our God not that big? No, he is. He is, but he's looking for people who have the faith to gather vessels. Anybody can pray, God, I just need you, God, just make a million dollars show up in my bank account tomorrow, please, Jesus. I'm getting specific in my prayers, one million (laughs) dollars, right? (laughs) But we often overlook step two. I can get specific and I can start praying, but what is my job in it? God may want to give me a million dollars in my bank account, but I promise you he's given me steps to get there. He's wanting to partner with us. Here's Here's the truth behind it. God's supernatural provision, it invites our hard work, but it never excuses laziness. Let me say that again. God's supernatural provision, it invites our hard work, meaning he's saying What? I'm looking for laborers, and the laborers are few. (laughs) He says, come labor with me. Come work with me. There is work to do. There is a job to be done. There is the kingdom to expand. Come with me. Partner with me. Come work with me. Let's labor together. And in that, we see the provision, but he never excuses laziness. When I know what to do, and I know God's word, and I still say, no, I'm going to do it how I want to do it. Yeah, but I think God meant it this way. There's no excuse for that. There's no grace for that. There's grace when I truly don't know, but when I do know, I've removed myself from that gift. Here we go. Number three is this. Shut the door and pour. This is good right here. It's about to get real good, okay? Shut the door and pour. I'm going to go quick. Let's look at it, verses two and three. And and she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Remember this, a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. We're not talking about the same thing. Jar versus vessels. So remember, oil was used many times, not just for cooking and other things. Many times the oil was used for anointing things for God. This is, it gets so good here, okay? A jar versus a vessel. When, I, when you dig into this, you look at the original language in this, you look at what um, the philosophers, as they, as they look at this, and theologians, as they look at this, what we see is this: this jar was actually a small flask of anointing oil. Small flask of anointing oil. The vessel was a larger container to hold the oil for cooking and for trading and for such. In my mind reading this and knowing this story growing up, I always thought she had a jar and she poured it into jars, bigger jars, different sized jars, but that's not the case. The, The visual behind this is so incredibly deep because it's this, the provision was poured out of the jar of anointing oil, which means this, the provision flows from the anointing. The provision flows from the anointing. God made sure that in this story, not just did, yeah, did she do her part and God did miraculous things? Yes. But what was the source of the oil, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit? It was something that was already had been used and was going to be used to anoint things for God. That was the thing that was used to bring provision for the house. Man, the, the, the provision flows from the anointing. It was by the spirit and the power of God that the miraculous took place. But even to the finest detail of, this is a flask of anointing oil into a vessel and multiple vessels of oil that can be used for other things. That's the detailed God we serve. So what does he say? Shut the door. Number one is this. Shut the door. Who are you inviting into the conversation That doesn't need to be there. I'm believing God for a miracle. I'm believing for this. God, we're standing for this. Who are you inviting into the conversation? Not that you got to be mean and nasty to people. That's not what I'm saying. But who's in your closest inner circle who has your ear, but they're speaking doubt and not faith. She couldn't afford to have some neighbor in the room as she was gathering these vessels and saying, I don't know how this is going to (laughs) work. You look really dumb gathering all this stuff. What if it doesn't happen? Why are you pouring out of that tiny little thing? It's physically impossible for that tiny flask of oil to fill up this vessel of oil. Why are you doing that? She couldn't afford to have those people. That's why he says, go in, shut the door behind you. Because we don't need these these doubters and these gawkers to be looking in criticizing you the whole time. Shut the door. It doesn't mean you have to be nasty, but you need to find some faith-filled, Bible-believing disciples that you can share your problems with so they can stand with you. The second thing she said, he says is pour until the miracle is done. Pour. Pour it out. Keep praying. Keep seeking. And this is what it means. Ask for more of God, not for more from God. She didn't ask God for more oil or vessels already full of oil. Okay? But that's what we do. God, give me the million dollars, right? Cancel out my debt. God, God uh, give me the perfect spouse, whatever it is. Whatever, give, me, give me that healing, right? But I haven't, I'm not stewarding my body well, whatever it might be, right? We, we, we jump to, God, I want more from you when the prayer should be, I want more of you. That's the, the, the flask of anointing oil. It's more of God. It's a, an actual representation of the spirit of God that she poured from that it continued to come out of. And that's the heart and the posture that we should approach God with. God, I want more of you. I don't want just more from you because I know that more of you means provision. Going back to the provision flows from the anointing. When I ask for more of God, man, he loves to answer that prayer. And with him comes the kingdom. So whatever else I need, whatever need I have, physical or spiritual, it's available. And this is why Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says this. This is the Amplified, and I love it. It says this. Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For whoever keeps on asking receives. Whoever keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. This is the persistence. What are we doing? We're pouring shut the door and pour. That's, this is what it means. Go after more stuff? No, more of him. Presence-driven church, presence-driven people, presence-driven disciples and servants. We are going for more of him. This is what it means to pour out. What am I going after? I'm going after, I'm asking, I'm seeking, and I'm knocking. And I wish, can I tell you this? I wish the prayer was answered and that it happened on the first try. Ask once, and it will be done. Sometimes that happens. But obviously not every time, because Jesus said, keep on, keep on. Well, I prayed once, and nothing happened, so it must not be God's will. Maybe you're just in a fight. Maybe you have a spiritual enemy who hates your guts, who's trying to hinder you from getting what you want and what you need, the healing that you desire. Not that it's not God's will. Maybe you're just in a fight. But God shows us that there is power in persistent prayer. Keep on, keep on, keep on. So what do you need God to do in your life? Shut the door on doubters. Not that you got to totally cut them off, but you need to distance yourself. Shut the door and pour until the miracle takes place, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. The power of persistent prayer right here. This is God's desire. That's how it applies to us personally. And really quick, I'm going to hit. Here's, how, here's what this means for us as a church. And you turn over your, your note-taking card. I have some details for you. The first one is this. We want the oil of revival to be poured out and abide church. And so here's what's going to happen. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to and have gotten specific. Be specific. And so here's what we're doing. We're starting something that's called a house fund. I've talked about this briefly with some of our team leads and our leaders in the church. We're starting something called a house fund. Okay, we have needs here at the church that we need to get met. This is a house fund that is going to position us for future growth and for future um, buildings and for future remodels whenever we need that. I don't know if you've noticed, if you drive out this way, this building is for sale or for lease. And so uh, God's got our future secure, but we're going to do our part. (laughs) What do you have in the house so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start this fund that is above and beyond our tithes and offerings. This fund, we call it a house fund simply for this because it is for the house. So we're not using, we have our other funds and stuff for outreach, for benevolence, we have for um, all these different things, for business stuff. We have that. Those are separate. This fund is just for the house, meaning this. We have some needs that we need to meet. Anything above and beyond this first goal that we're going to set is going to stay in that fund for the future so that we can make a down payment, so we can get ready for the future. But the first need is this. We're going to, we need to get specific. We need $20,000 for a new sound system and a new camera setup. Um, if you've been here, if you've attended several times before, you've probably noticed you'd be worshiping, and all of a sudden the, the volume will go down quite a bit. Uh, it's not our, our tech team is not back there, you know, falling asleep or leaning on the knobs or anything. That's not what's happening. It's our system literally being maxed out saying, hey, if you guys don't stop, we're going to blow the speakers, okay? <laughs> so, and we don't even crank it up that loud, okay? We're not looking to, you know, uh, blast anybody away. But here's the thing. This system was designed for something short term. We've gotten our money's, money's worth out of it for sure. But we need something that will sustain us and get us ready for the future, So, that's the first thing. If you've watched any of our YouTube videos, you may look at it and see it feels like it's a quality of 1990. Okay, it's not very good, but we have a lot of people who watch from around the world on YouTube. And so, here's what we're going to do we want to create an excellent uh, experience for them to receive the gospel online as well as in person. And so, this is our first goal $20,000 for a new sound system and a new camera setup. Okay, get specific. We're doing exactly what we talked about this. if you want to give to this, again, it would be above and beyond your tithes and offerings. The first thing I want to ask you to do is ask God what you should give. You may say, Pastor, I don't, I'm strapped. Trust me, we've been there. Even if it's by faith giving $5 a paycheck or $1 a paycheck, can I tell you? Do your part by faith and God will move. Maybe for you, you're sitting there and you think, Ah, we can give 1000 bucks to that today. Come on, that's great too, right? But I understand most people, especially in the economy we're at right now, sometimes it feels a little tight. But pray about it and do what God asks you to do, not what I'm asking you to do. If you wanna give to this, abidechurch.com slash give, make sure and drop down arrow, hit the house fund. It's live right now, you can give, or you can text house plus the amount, if you text to give, house plus the amount to our giving number. If you give in person on the envelopes, there's an other uh, line on there. You can just make a note in there that says house. Everything that goes on that is going to go to this, and each week we want to continue to give updates. Hey, here's where we're at. Here's how we're getting closer to uh, meeting this first need. We're going to get specific. Um, everything given above and beyond that, I think I've said this, but everything given above and beyond that is going to be set aside for our future building a place where we can put our name on the front, a place where we can be a little more permanent, put down some roots and use the space a little bit more during the week for our church family. And so um, our best days are our next days, I'll tell you that. The second thing is this, we're gonna gather vessels. Gather vessels, this means this, we're going to invite people and we're going to make room for growth. We're gonna invite people and we're gonna make room for growth. Here's what Elisha said. He said, gather empty vessels. Do not just gather a few empty vessels. Empty vessels of oil represent an empty person who is lacking, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Gather many vessels. Don't gather just a few. Gather many. In order to do that, we've got to create some breathing room, okay? Today is a great example. I think God timed this up pretty perfect, okay? Because today's a great example of realizing we've got to create some room, yeah, we have a few empty chairs, but the truth is this, if everyone that even calls a by Church their home, if they showed up today, we would not have enough room with our current setup. So here's what that means. We're going to come through and we are going to start to transition from round tables into rows. Now I know some of you are in there thinking, oh no, not the tables leaving. No, don't take the tables away. I get it. The tables have been important for us in these first couple of years of our church. It's created an amazing community. It's created a great connection. But the tables are scaffolding to the building. They were so needed for a time. But God needs us to get the scaffolding out of the way so we can finish the job. <laughs> He's got to get it out of the way. The other thing I'll say is this tables are comfortable. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say, it. I love some comfort. But what God's put on our heart is what? Over the Bible Belt, there's a spirit of complacency that's crept into the church. And if the first place that complacency could come in is by clinging to things that make us comfortable in our church. So here's what I'm gonna ask us to do is transition to rows of chairs, number one, so we can create room to gather not just a few, gather many vessels. Not just people who are already full, empty vessels, because here's what I want to see is when I look around, I want to be able to see, I can see right here. Some of you may not be able to. When I see an empty chair on Sunday morning, it should break my heart because I know, I have, I know at least personally 10 plus people, 15 people that should be here that don't know Jesus. And I've been praying for them and I've been inviting them and I've been, and I've been going to battle on their behalf in the spiritual realm. They haven't been prompted enough to come, But it doesn't mean I'm going to stop. But that's what an empty chair reminds me of. When I see an empty chair, I think, man, I know someone who needs that chair. I know someone who needs Jesus. I know someone who needs community. So here's what Rose will do. It'll allow us to see the potential for what God can do. And what does God do? God honors the faith to gather. How many are you willing to prepare for? How many are you willing... To make room for how many are you willing to gather if she gathered three vessels she would get three vessels okay i'm not saying i'm gonna pack a thousand seats in here that would be uncomfortable and not realistic but i am saying we will create room for growth we have to we have to and just like the woman who gathered those vessels it might have invited a lot of awkward conversations why are you gathering this why do you have all these empty chairs the awkwardness was an, is a necessary step to the provision because the awkwardness actually tests my faith. Am I willing to get a little uncomfortable for God, for him to provide? The provision of God will be poured out to the level of our faith. So I want to prepare you ahead of time, okay? Just prime the pump. One of these Sundays, maybe next Sunday, you're going to come in. There's going to be a lot of rows in here but we're gonna fill those rows and then we're gonna to have to go to another service or go to a new building or whatever, but it's gonna be the catalyst for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And the last one is this, this is the most important, shut the door and pour. We're gonna invite God to move like never before in our church. We're gonna to continue to invite people to join the A-team and be a part of the, the church family here and go after the Spirit of God like we have never gone after before. We can do the natural stuff, okay? But if we don't do step three, the natural stuff is just man-made. Unless the Lord builds it, the laborers build in vain. And so we've got to do our part, yes. However, the most important thing that we can do is seek after God personally at a level in which we never have before. To be a presence-driven and seeking church, we've got to be presence-driven people that we're seeking after an encounter with the presence of God every single day. The calling of God is too great for us to be lukewarm in the church especially here as what God, I believe God's put on our heart for a by church in this season, that we would light a fire in the Bible belt that would spread and it would destroy the spirit of complacency that has crept into our region. There's no reason for it. There's a church on every corner. God's presence wants to rule and reign here, but we've got to do our part. And here's why it's important. You got to be, and I said this last week, and I'm gonna say it again. You need to be. Planted in the church that you can get 100% behind. That means unity. (laughs) You need to be in unity with your church. If that's here, praise God, let's go. If it's not, praise God, let's go. You need to go where God has called you to be planted. Not just attend, you need to be planted. That means you better start giving, you better start getting involved, whether it's here, great, but if it's there, great. But be where God's called you to be. Too many people say, well, we found a church. We've been looking for a church. It's good to to walk things out. Yes, God has a desire for you to be planted in a specific church, I don't know if you know that. He calls you to a church community because he knows your gifts and talents mixed with this gifts and talents, mixed with this culture of this body is gonna thrive. He doesn't need you going where you feel comfortable. He needs you going where he has called you to be. So if that's here, let's go. (laughs) Because God's about to do some amazing stuff in here. And all of it comes down to Matthew 7. Let's look at it one more time. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Here's what this means for us. This is what we're going to do. And I'll wrap up with this. We are going to ask and keep on asking for more of God's spirit until miraculous signs and wonders start happening on a regular basis every time we get together. We are going to seek and keep on seeking until forgiveness and restoration and freedom and salvation is poured out on the lost in our city. We are going to knock and we're going to keep on knocking until the spirit of complacency over the Bible Belt is destroyed and the spirit of revival takes over. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to keep on, not just once. But every time we come together, every morning when we wake up, we are going to keep on, keep on. Why? Because it's not just once and done. God is looking for people who says, I'll be committed for the long haul. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. Is it going to be a little awkward? Yeah, it might be. But are you willing to, to get specific, to gather many vessels, and then to shut out anyone who says, I don't know about that, shut it out? and start to seek him and pour out that anointing oil like you never have before and pour it out and pour it out and pour it out until the provision and the abundance takes place and until salvation and revival takes over. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Man, let's go. The calling is too great to be passive. The calling is too great to be lukewarm. The calling is too great to just sit comfortably by on the sideline and not do something because someday we'll get to heaven and I want Jesus to look at me and say well done good and faithful servant not well done good and faithful churchgoer you really went after it yes sir yes sir let me pray for you heavenly father we love you thank you for your word thank you for encouraging us today Lord, I know that there's different situations represented in this room, and I also know, Lord, that you know every detail. I know that there's people in here who have been believing for a miraculous thing from you for many years, God. There are people who are hurting right now in this room, listening on the podcast, watching on on YouTube. Lord, I know there are people who are hurting. I know there are people who are battling. I know there are people who are far from you. I pray, Lord, though, that your word that we spoke today, that it would take root in their heart. And you would help them have the boldness to live out and to walk out what you've put on their heart to do. Help them get specific. Help them do their part in gathering vessels by faith, walking in obedience. And Lord, as we shut the door and we begin to pour out your spirit and invite your spirit to be poured out, as we seek after you and after we, as we knock for more and as we ask for more, I pray that you would, Lord, as your word says, you would answer that prayer and we would experience your presence like never before. We don't want more from you, God. We want more of you, God. And with you comes the kingdom. And we say, welcome, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Welcome, Holy Spirit. We invite you into this place. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.